had a good grace note in that pop. Yeah. But, yeah. We're Flammy. back. Uh, man, we have some very, very obvious things to talk about. Uh, but also, I think you'll notice over the course of this podcast, we'll, we'll hit some of these hot topics that are very much on the forefront uh, that recently have happened. But also, just kind of want to give some uplifting, positive vibes out in the world. Uh, so we won't stay to uh, Debbie Downer for too long, and, and we'll steer it in another direction. Yeah, uh, it's so yeah, yeah. There's a lot to talk about. So before we dive right in, uh, welcome everyone to the Aged Out Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Fantini, and with me, as always, is Evan Worrell. And today we have a guest on again that we've had on in the past. We figured it'd be appropriate to have Mr. Dan Shack back on again to kind of talk about all the developments that have happened in the band world and then also kind of take a different direction and just kind of reminisce a little bit and kind of do along the lines of what ESPN has been doing in the sports networks with no live sports to watch um, and talk about our favorite drum lines and just all kinds of things related to that. Just kind of take a walk down memory lane. So welcome back, Dan. Uh, how you been? Oh, uh, just great. <laughs> um, uh, it seems like uh, you go in public and everyone is having the same conversation. Uh-huh. So it's, it's interesting how it's like we're all being quarantined, but we are all like under the same circumstances. It's very, very odd and very weird. Yeah, we're, we're living in a very interesting part of history right now. I was talking to my dad about that earlier, about how like 30 years from now, like history books or 100 years from now are going to talk about this exact happening. Like the world shut down, basically. I agree. I think it's going to be a pretty large blip on, you know, a series of events that we've experienced in the 20th and 21st century that are, you know, uh, shifted paradigm a little bit. And there's been a lot of interesting conversations, at least in, you know, the small circles that, that I run in uh, politically and what what is going on in terms of what's being forced upon a government and you know, when we're really under the gun, what are we able to provide for, you know, the people in the country? So um, in that way, it's like, wow, this is really eye opening to what is actually possible. Um, and at the same time, it's still a very like political moment where we're so embedded in like a in, in politics right now as a, you know, an entryway into this whole thing. So just the way that like the media and like the truth of what's happening has been so weird in this specific instance because we have so much information yet we're all so confused and it's so mm-hmm. convoluted yep. so what's that about you know what i mean and it's just like such a specific moment i think the the, the media is going to play a pretty large role in how this all shakes out what this appears as yeah it's going to be quite a hindsight to look back on some of these situations where we just very evidently realize glaring issues in all these kind of systems that we have in place of like oh we could have done this a lot better or we just didn't get information out the most effective way possible even to like the hospitals and physicians like i know someone this is going to be like i know someone who knows someone who knew someone kind of story but uh i was talking to him and he was like yeah i was hanging out with this chick and she ended up going to get tested the swab uh, and get results. So then in turn, I went, but they wouldn't test me because they were like, no, just like, we, we, they basically told me, like, we don't know. Like, we don't know what to tell you. So we're not going to, we don't think you're symptomatic, but we're just not going to test you. And so people are just like, they don't even know what's going on. He's like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, but so, it's pretty wild. 
it's it's definitely a weird time to spell out the main initial topic we're going to talk about if you haven't already figured it out obviously the coronavirus thing going on right now people are in their homes you know and the relevant um happening to this podcast and our listeners i would think is that pretty quickly when everything started to go down and everybody realized how serious this could be um wgi canceled everything like just canceled the entire season guard percussion wins all of it you know the athletic athletic organizations went with we're going to try to play these with no crowds and so maybe wgi i thought maybe wgi would do that but then you still have a lot of people from all across the country from all these different states and other countries in some cases um all congregating in one area it's just even without the crowd you still have so many people all together at once that when they eventually canceled it i was a little surprised but not really how did you guys take it when you first heard what happened i think um when you zoom out at what we do it's extremely reliant on facilities period and when you look at you know you kind of sift through the um the fun and the sort of the the buzz and the magic and all the like things that are really really fun about just what we do and why we're all so attracted to this super like niche thing um underneath that is like an infrastructure beyond our own which to me is like the facilities both athletic facilities schools that are really making decisions that are beyond their own uh, i guess decision making power right so it starts to ripple out into the bureaucracy of you know total school systems and governments and uh, state governments and you know you looked at what happened in ohio when they started to you know, send the kids home from university. They start to shut down all the schools for WGI. You know, we have so many venues in the Ohio area. Mm -hmm. um, and when one goes, the whole thing, I can assume I, I did work for WGI actually as a, as a marketing intern in the 2012 year. So I'm not speaking completely ignorantly, but obviously I'm not working there now, but I can't imagine. And I'm, I am imagining that, you know, once one facility goes, you're scrambling to, find a new one then two others go and that process is going to happen i mean extremely fast because the schools i think were the first institutions to kind of react because it's such an obvious meeting ground of high populations um rather than just like closing cities down and like the actual you know infrastructure of, of cities and towns so when you think about what the schools are doing and the decisions they have to make to me, it was the obvious answer, and there was no other answer because it wasn't like WGI as a as a governing body could be like, we're gonna do it, like we're gonna do it regardless. Like that wasn't a possible alternative at all, if you mm -hmm. ask me. And I would assume they would probably agree. So I wasn't surprised at all, not to be totally like uh, I guess cynical or whatever, but I had mentally prepared myself a couple of days or even like. I guess a week leading up to that, like, wow, this is really happening fast in the acceleration period of things and the way people are reacting and the way institutions are having to make decisions. We didn't have the time to make any decision, but the one that was made. So I think it was the obvious choice and it was probably the only choice that they could make. Yeah. The, uh, the governor of Ohio was a pretty big trailblazer really across the country for just making the decision. He made it really early on, like, no spectators in any sports like for Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, like the Dayton NCAA 
March Madness games, like no spectators. Like he made that call pretty early on. And uh, once I heard that, I was like, dude, that's that's rough. There's there's no way because I, I think there was a glimmer of hope from talking to some people that were staff members of other ensembles. Like if the only WGI we could get is one without spectators, we'd gladly take it. But that would just be such a big financial burden uh, on WGI if that was even an option. Like, yeah, we'll let you all continue, but you can't have spectators because I'm sure they're so heavily reliant on ticket sales from the ticket office and merchandise and this and that. I mean, they hold down between the guard weekend, probably like four or five facilities like Wright State and the Nutter UD and like another place at NKU. And then the next weekend at percussion finals, like the same thing, like there's no, no way they could afford to rent out those facilities for two straight weekends without ticket sales um, and those ensembles coming in. And then it was very quickly after they were just made the decision, like, no, there's no sporting events and like all these organizations canceled. So it was pretty wild. Yep. The first thing, honestly, that jumped into my head is a question that the you mentioned the NCAA canceled everything too, which I'm sure everybody knows about at this point. Um, but was what about the age outs? You know, do they end up getting another season? And they've answered that question at this point, correct? Yes. So they so WGI, I think rightfully so. Did they grant everyone in an independent ensemble an extra season or just age outs? No, I believe um, I believe it was just age outs who were currently contracted for this season. Well, I, yeah. yeah, if you're I in a group, would... you can march again. If you were an age out that was in a independent world group, you can come back. It doesn't mean that if you were 18, you get to march an extra year. Like we're not counting people who had extra years regardless. You just didn't get to march finals. But if you just like if it was your your age out and it was your final kind of year to go you can march another year. And I am under the impression that means anywhere. So if you march a certain ensemble and you want to go somewhere else, you have the option to do that, which opens up really interesting doors. And there's already been quite a bit of conversation about how auditions are going to look and yeah. that, you know, potentially how strong of a year of WGI we could have next year, considering that, you know, hypothetically, if every single age out came back, which is 100% not going to happen, um, you know, these groups would be very, very uh, coming out confidently, coming out stacked, quote unquote. Um, but, you know, life is going to um, come and people are going to have to not march. So I'm not thinking that like these ensembles are going to come out exactly the same as they were. Yeah, there will be people that are unable to march because if you were supposed to age out, you're probably going to be done with college, potentially having a job that would make it kind of difficult to march. I know Evan did that with a job his last year with the Mex, but I also Yeah, but look even at that, from... like, I wouldn't have been able... I, like, I would have moved on at that point from... I mean, my age out... If this had happened my age out year in 2012, there's no way I would have come back for 2013. I mean, yeah. I already was married from December to April of my age out year, and, like, I would just be like, nah, I'm just... I'm done. Like, yeah. <laughs> that wedding also... was awesome, by the way. That was yeah. a fun wedding. It was super still, fun. It was a very fun I wedding. I still believe that I'm the only Rhythm X member to ever march a season married. I'm pretty confident true? in that. Is I'm pretty that confident. True? I was talking to Andrew Markworth about it, and he was like, I don't know of anybody else. And he would probably be one of the – check that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, no, I, I look at another viewpoint of this as if you have a bunch of guys that should have aged out and girls that should have aged out come back, you're taking a year from a younger person if that makes sense. So like maybe you're delaying somebody's potential jump up to that top tier of indoor 
by a whole year. So you're almost having to take a year from somebody to give it to somebody that got one taken away. If you look yeah, at it from that perspective. I've seen that argument floating around, but I also I'm always gonna err on the side of something that I knew was guaranteed yes. instead of something that I that could have been. Like there's no guarantee that that person would have ever made that ensemble. But we actually did have a contract with this kid to march WGI finals like he was in the group so I'm always going to err on doing the right thing that way then mm-hmm. of course it will probably mean that some people but like Dan was saying not everybody's going to come back they just won't and well I, mean, I, I also would say like not to mention you've now auditioned every vet for X amount of months you know through March or whatever that doesn't give them a leg up it means that I have more insight into who is possibly coming back and that can be good for you or it can bite you as a member. Like just cause you know someone or even you marched a year, it doesn't mean that you have a leg up having someone come in that's fired up and that's fresh and that isn't, you know, jaded or whatever can happen as you march more and more years, you know, it doesn't ensure anything. So like, I think it will just make auditions more competitive. It will up the top level even more. Um, and I, I agree, Evan, I like that point that you made, which is like these people who are aging out, like literally didn't get to march their age out and attempt or make finals versus like, well, hypothetically, this young kid might make it. Well, go just make it. You know what I mean? Like there's so many ifs and buts. Like, I just don't think that's enough of an argument. And if, you know, for the kids who are like, man, well, all these guys who are marching in 20 have like a better shot in 21. It's like, well, why didn't you march somewhere in 20? You know, where were you? So I, I've seen a little bit of that floating around, too. And it's like just because you regret not marching this year because you had, had an extra year doesn't mean we should tailor everything to your like dissatisfaction over your past decisions. You know what I mean? Versus like what we were actually affected by for real. You yeah, don't know for sure. how that's going to affect the audition pool. It's going to be different. It's going to it's going to definitely be a different vibe, a different turnout for mm-hmm. sure. In whatever way, in whatever way. Yeah. And I think that that will kind of segue that into talking about next year and auditions in 2021. Um, I think a lot of people from staffing and design stamp, a design standpoint, have some decisions to make whether they're going to stick with the same show that they had this year uh, or maybe design a new show and be like, have a similar show, but modify it. I think it creates an interesting opportunity for designers to look at almost what was from October or we'll say November, late October, November from the audition point up until March, they've had to really fine tooth comb their show and tweak it. But now they almost get an off season to be like, all right, we had some things that we can really fix now to upgrade this product and really, really max it out to its full potential, like squeeze all the juice out. So I think that creates some interesting conversation as well. I think some groups are going to be happy well, they get to yeah. hit the redo button. I just I just think there were some shows that were duds this year. And I think the staffs kind of – not that they would not want the members to get to finish the season. That, that's what everyone, I'm pretty sure, would prefer to have happened. But I think there's going to be some people that m- might enjoy a redo or getting to rethink some things. That's definitely possible. You know, I think when you look at WGI as a whole, one thing that I think the activity – for indoor does super well is not impose rules or impose only like the really like the least extreme rules that uh, kind of go into the creativity realm 
and go into what we choose to do year to year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the idea of making a decision about a rule that we can or can't do the same shows gets into like some realms philosophically that I think are um, sort of counter to what WGI has been. Um, You know, right now you can do an old show. You know, if you are a really, if you're independent world group, you could probably do a show that's been done. Will it be, you know, uh, (laughs) will people like that? Will it, will it, will be something that people enjoy? I mean, can you even do that seriously? That's such a silly thought experiment that like you repeat a show that did well. I think that is kind of just an ironic thing. I have a hard time like thinking of that in a non-ironic way, but it's the most like extreme version of this idea that WGI, they don't want to infringe upon our creative kind of things. They want us to do as much or as different as we can do. And this seems to be an area where they would not intervene, if you ask me. Um, yeah, I think they'll leave it open. I think they'll let I, the groups decide. I think that the groups will decide. Plus, I mean, it only makes sense that way because even though maybe Group X does a show one year and doesn't typically do that same show the next year, which I don't think has ever happened in WGI, maybe it has, but Group X may do a show and then Group Y buys that show it does the same show so like maybe it's not in the same class maybe it's not even in the same circuit but that stuff still exists out there so it's like it's not like this product is that group y is doing is something completely new and original but it's just something that works for that program so i think it's well, going to come down right I, I if and you know not to not to interrupt but let's like that sounds more extreme than the idea that we all come out and we do design a certain way and we have similarities each year and we have talked about, and I've heard you guys talk about on, on here, like groups coming out and seeming, you know, similar year to year. Um, and that's part of building, you know, the identity of a group basically. Um, so I don't think that's super different than what we even do already. It's like, we want to come out and have signatures about, the way we are and kind of what we present each year. So is that even so different? You know what I mean? That we, that we do something similar. We treat it a similar way. Right. Um, I mean, I just wonder about that. I mean, even to the point to when someone is designing a show, I'm sure they're like thinking ahead of the, the categories and the vocabulary that's on the sheet as it relates to judges and what judges are going to say, the vocabulary, the demand, the variety. I mean, people want to hit all that stuff it's it is formulaic to a sense so i mean yeah i plus i don't think there's a rule and i don't think like you're saying i don't think cwgi implementing a rule just for this case to like prevent it i mean heck one of my favorite dci shows of all time was duplicated year after year like it was done back to back by the same group which we'll talk about later but uh <laughs> yeah so there's right about so that. It, it's we we you know i think in a like a rhetorical way, we like to think about the most extreme variations of things. And, you know, when I think about this idea of like of finishing a show, um, you know, you think about color guards who come out every other year, like Price Cincinnati or something like that. And they're coming out and they, they take two years to design a show regularly. There's like actually no restriction to that. As far as I know, like if George Mason wanted to come out every three years and work on a show, for three years straight, we could do that. You know, it's really hard to be relevant. I think, I think your brand needs to stay 
in people's conversations, but I think there's nothing telling us we can't just come out every three years. Imagine if we did that. So this isn't as maybe extreme as it feels right now or as the rhetoric that's spiraling out there a little bit. I think it, it we can look at examples of when people have done things like this and it's like, okay, is this really so different than what is already going on or what has happened before? Maybe even in like, you know, not drumline, but color guard, for example. Well, hasn't even like Imachi to a degree, like they used to come out a little bit more consistently, like every two years or something like they would, I think right. there were people that say, like, oh, they worked on the show for two years. It's like, well, maybe they did. Uh, but then also, nope. I know we were talking a little bit prior to starting this up, is that there were some groups who either went to WGI regionals and didn't compete against a single group in their class or didn't even go to a WGI regional period because they hadn't got to that point of the season. So it's like, who's to say, like, you guys actually never got the ability to put your show out there. So, like okay, like, sure, maybe you still want to hold on to it. That's right. So what if there wasn't YouTube? Like, the fact that videos are on YouTube makes us feel like the season happened. But for George Mason, you know, I'm going to speak to what I know best, but, like, we didn't compete against anyone. We were never ranked. We just did two rounds in a single regional, and then then we were canceled. You know, it was done. We didn't make it to the New Jersey regional. So, um, you know, for our main competitor in our region, which is United – they didn't go to a WGI regional. They didn't compete even in the circuit that we're, we predominantly discuss as the main circuit. So, yeah, United show and George Mason shows might be on YouTube. It doesn't mean that they, like, even competed in WGI. You know what I mean? So um, we'll see what happens with that. I don't. I think we're going to see variations and we're going to see people, you know, like Mike said, it's like if, if you didn't love what you ended up with at the end of 20, this is a perfectly good time to – start over it's, there's mm-hmm. no problem with that if you are really um invested in the show and you want to finish it there's no problem with that um and if we're being judged show of the night why does any of this matter yeah. if it's all about the show of the night, if your show if your show stands a testament of time do it yeah we're judging the show of the night i just want to throw that out there and i think you're Soon gonna see night. you're gonna see some groups completely come out and scrap everything from this season. I think you'll see some that take the skeleton or the idea, but do some things differently. And I think you're going to see some groups do very, very close to the same thing they had this season. No one will be identical because you've got more time to think. You've got more time to develop. You've gotten to try things that worked, didn't work. Maybe there were things in the show at this point in the season that you knew you wanted to change before finals, but hadn't yet. You'll probably get to make those changes, whether it be drill tweaks, music tweaks, whatever. So I think it's going to be really interesting. I think next next WGI for percussion, and probably, I don't know much about the Winter Guard side, but probably for that too, for a lot of the same reasons, it's going to be a heck of a strong season. I think a lot of groups are going to be really good. I agree. And I think when you consider that we design for the arena, and for the crowd in the in the arena and for the space and the scope of the arena, it's very unfortunate that some of these programs are never going to see, you know, midnight in UD. So I think, you know, I don't want to limit what people do because of how I feel right now. I think everyone should make a decision and honestly welcome each other's decisions because that's what we're supposed to be doing in the first place. And we should be judged when we show up in the first round and that's that 
doesn't really matter. You know, only, I guess, if I thought about WGI judges, probably seven WGI judges saw Jordan Mason's show. A lot didn't. Maybe through a video, but we all see videos and we're like, this isn't the same. It's not as good. It's not the same. So um, that's just that's just my personal situation. Other people might be saying, you can't do that, but I'm interested. These conversations are going to change. People's opinions are going to change as we get into design mode and um, just going forward as we just reflect more. So it's interesting. We're at a oh, super different philosophical moment for our activity. I think this is a moment we have not maybe confronted as literally yet for sure for sure well i'm gonna take that uh and kind of shift gears real quick um just touch on there's not been a lot of information come out as far as regards to the summer um i know some groups have canceled camps obviously i'm sure that has a lot to do with the facilities that they're able to access like we were talking about earlier a lot of school systems are shut down so i'm sure a lot of that is just in uh, tandem with what's happening with individual school systems. Like, oh, we can't have camp this weekend. Makes sense. Schools aren't even open. <clears throat> um, DCI put out a pretty vague statement that they're just monitoring the situation, which I feel like is all they really can do at, at the current time. Uh, everything changes pretty pretty quickly, almost daily. There's a new update or this is happening or that's happening. Uh, so I'm sure they're having some very in-depth conversations on the back end of that. We're all very, very hopeful. I know they had posted like, hey, we're throwing out ideas of a full tour. We're throwing out ideas of a condensed tour. Like they're kind of trying to plan for a little bit of everything. So, uh, yeah, we're all crossing our fingers, super optimistic about that, trying to sing good vibes out in the universe. Uh, but we'll just see what happens. Yeah. Um, something else I think I think would be interesting to like, think about we talked about the age out issue with wgi if drum corps ends up for whatever reason and like evan said none of us three have any idea what they're thinking we have no connections we don't know what's going on whereas informed is all of you but say the summer doesn't happen you have a lot of age outs that have been contracted for the summer at this point even though the season hasn't started technically would they get an extra summer that's I don't know. That's I a tough. Think yes. I mean, I would say I, yes. I, I think yes, that absolutely. they would have to like see what WGI did and be like, we're gonna have to follow suit with that. Yeah. And I think that that would be oh, the yeah. case even if WGI did it. Um, but I, I don't think there's a way that you could look at what WGI did and DCI just be like, well, we're not gonna do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with DCI's case, it may be a little bit. I think they would maybe have to modify it or at least consider modifying it for not only one year but possibly two, just to kind of maybe help condense and like. Like, or like not condensed, but spread out that effect that it would have on possible new members. Because um, you could you could really decimate an entire core in a whole season if you had not only one group of age outs, but two group of age outs now aging out in the same season. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's as likely or as high of numbers for like indoor. But say like a typical WGI or a DCI group has, I don't know, 30 age outs in an ensemble, which is probably a low number, but maybe for some it's low, but some it's high. Um, the next year, if you double that, then you have 60 age outs from your group. So I don't know. It's kind of a give and take. It's an interesting thought, but if you kind of spread that out over like, Oh, we're going to increase the age out year for two years. Maybe that would just help spread out the effect that it would have. I don't know. It's an interesting thought. Possibly. Yeah. I think personally, the groups who have a lot of age outs, tend to be the groups that are likely competing well and they're going to get good people to come through their doors no matter what. 
I think the cores that we don't think about are going to be the open class cores, you know, the minus 15 cores or, or 12 rather, um, who aren't in DCI finals and how they're impacted. And if they're impacted, those are the ones we probably should be thinking about the most. And, you know, I, I would be interested in knowing like what, how many age outs did the, an open class core have? Like what did the, what did, who won open class? How many age outs did they have? Okay. Let's start thinking about how that's going to affect those lower groups that are more concerned with membership. Um, and when I mean lower, I mean smaller numbers. Um, and, Cause this was specifically uh, came up in the DCI meetings about the, the all instruments thing was how this was going to benefit those cores that are kind of struggling to fill out their ranks regardless. So those are the ones I think are going to be confronting some specific um, issues. Whereas, you know, you think about the blue doubles, like they always have a lot of age outs. They always have a lot of good people coming in. Is that totally going to change? I would say, it's not, I would say it wouldn't. Yeah. I think you're right. I agree. I don't know. I don't work with an open class group. So I'm, I'm very interested in how is it going to affect groups that are, looking to get people in their doors and do those groups already have an age out problem? Maybe not. I'm kind of speculating. So it might not be as big of like a thunderous issue. Um, but you know, like, okay, extending it two years or something like that, just being a little more flexible. I mean, let's keep in mind, you know, I'm going to shatter reality for a second, but these age out rules are completely arbitrarily imposed. If we had zero age out rules in world-class drum corps, and if we had zero age out rules in world-class independent world, WGI, would the landscape look all that different? I don't think so. I don't think it would. So I think the idea of like slightly relaxing the rules is totally doable. I don't think it's going to cause the quake that we think it will. But, you know, I think we're going to have to make some decisions in the next couple years for sure to kind of make sure that Jump Corps continues on some similar path it's going to change something's going to change about what we're doing there's no yeah. question well here's a way to think about it you're talking about the open class cores or the lower ranking cores and how this would affect them so say you have the people that were supposed to age out this summer get an extra summer so then you have the following summer for 2021 to a, a doubly or twice the size of your age out group so then those two years all age out at the same summer leaving a ton of open spots at the upper tier of drum corps, then you've got all those members are going to, all those spots are going to be filled primarily by members from those lower cores. So then you're leaving all of them scrounging for twice as many members as they w would any other year. And I think that could have negative impacts on their competitive viability. Yeah. I think this speaks to a bigger problem that when students don't make a top drum corps, they generally don't march at all. Yep. And I tell any student that doesn't make crown, you need to just march, march anywhere, go get experience. I marched DCA. I taught open class. You can get better in a DCA or an open class group and students who don't make a top 12 drum core, top three drum core should just pursue marching period because that's what the activity needs is, is younger students who are dipping their toe in. And there is supposed to be a striation in the caliber of drum cores. We're, we can't just have, everyone makes every single drum corps and that's it. That's just mm. not the nature of what we do. So um, I think that if we could maybe shine light on something more, like a more positive message, it would be when you don't make that top four, you should be marching. You should go out there and march open class or, or local DCA group if you can. 
um, because a lot of students that don't make it, they go sit on their couch and they're like, I'm going to just drum on my pad all summer. I don't recommend <laughs> that. I don't recommend that at all. Just no. to give some numbers, like not to, I was, did a quick Google search and a article by Andy Shama on flow marching came up, um, <laughs> where they Shut did, up. uh, they did age outs for the 2017 and 2018 season. The highest cores in 18 were crown and BD with 55 age outs, but the, they went down through the finalists though. But the lowest was, uh, Mandarins in 2017 had 13 age outs finished 13th place. They had 24 age outs in 2018 and finished in 10th place. And then Crossman were 12th. They had like 28. So it's like, that's not a lot. 24 age outs. That's that's not a ton. <laughs> so I don't think no, it's going to matter. Not at all. I mean, you're talking about BD in 2017 having 60, but like you said, they're just going to they're going to reload because that's what people do. Right. Yep. So I agree with that. Okay. That all makes right. Sense. Let's move this sucker on. Do you want to get into some of the more less gloom and doom topics we talked about? Dude, heck yeah! All right, I'm kind of we kind of came up with this game plan beforehand that. We just kind of need to inject some like fun and positivity out there. Uh, we didn't want to stay all boo-boo kitty for the whole thing here. Uh, so we just talked about going through some of our maybe like favorite shows, uh, whether it's DCI, WGI, favorite drum lines from DCI. I put together a pretty healthy list of shows that I just really liked. And when I was thinking about specific years, whatever that year, 2000, 2001, 2006, like a core stuck out to me and I was like, oh yeah, that show. Uh, so I don't really care if you, you, you guys have a preference starting DCI or WGI. WGI will probably go faster, but. I didn't prepare anything, so I'm ready to go. All right. Yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll take the charge then uh, and we'll go through some years and uh, any other shows that stick out from those years that you guys, just, or we can just comment on them. I started back in 1988, though, because, <laughs> and I didn't do every single year, so don't, don't, uh, don't, it's not going to take long, but just some shows that stuck out to me from 88. Uh, 1988, Madison Scouts, they played Malaguena. Uh, 1988, SCV, they did Phantom of the Opera, which they also did in 89 and won a championship, but the 88 show is way better to me. Um, I just liked it more. I liked the arrangements better. Wait, um, they did the same show two years in a row? Two years in a row. Yeah, they finished, I believe, second in 88, and they finished first in 89. Well, Phantom of the Opera you both go. years. <laughs> you can do the same show two years in a row. It's been done. And but yeah, going that far back. Though, even though some of the uh, fans may be like, oh, they did it, like Dan was saying earlier, if you're judged on that night, whatever. <laughs> yeah, if you're great, you're great. Yeah, if you're, we're going that far back. I am a terrible drum corps and WGI historian. I'm like scrounging oh, behind to write down that. some suggestions of like what's the drum corps show that I like a lot. Like I just I'm just I've never been one of those kids or people that learned a bunch Dude, I, about past shows. I never ate was it that up. guy. I ate it up. So I mean, you're basically a dork, is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, band nerd. Uh, I'll make a jump here. So 92, 93, I uh, put cadets both years. 92 to tame the perilous absolutely. skies. Cadets. Yep. 93 did the whole singer closer. Just iconic i know a lot of people are like star should have won 93 and maybe they should have but that cadet show was damn good man they were good i don't, um, I don't think i've ever seen I think, just cadets. I think i need to take a minute and go find that somewhere i'm sure it's on youtube yeah you i mean it's if for me like once you start getting into like those last couple years of the 80s and then the first 
couple years in the 90s with the cadets like that's where the drill and the velocity thing starts to pop off and you watch yeah. like 93 cadets all the way through really like i mean a lot of 15 more years of the cadets just the visual excellence the the drill orientation where the design and the effect is very driven by this new style of drill you know their feet are super clean with the pinstripes and the white dinkles like it's just all about that lower body cleanliness, high speeds, like the tempos start to get super fast. Um, and there's some really good drum lines, you know, 93 cadets, 91 cadets, and then you get like 97, 8, 9, 10 cadets, like some of those drum lines. And obviously, like, you know, for me, I started drum corps in 2005, so my, my in-depth knowledge probably goes back to about – 2000 in depth which people are gonna well i don't know about your guys listeners though we might not get like smited as bad as we we feel like we should <laughs> but for me like you know going back to like 97 8 9 then 2000 cadets is like this very quintessential couple years where tim maynard and um tim green chris vale comes into it um some really iconic drummers um and at least snare drummers from my from my standpoint and you know 2000 cadets which, which is the disney show is like seriously one of the best drum corps shows ever and just the drum feature is so iconic and they're super clean like it's just yeah. so uniform and uniformity was very big in that era you know the judging has changed uniformity was huge um in those years you know even late 90s all the way through 2000 it's so different now i don't think it's yeah. i don't think it, judging is the same yeah for sure so, Early, so let's point out some stuff outside of the cadets i know they were very motivating and i guess they were trailblazers in in the in the in the evolution of drum corps but i know bd had a lot of good years in that decade cavies were really really good so what else you got oh there? we're gonna get there all right sorry uh, i'm rushing it. early I'm rushing 90s it. too i put like uh just vk on my list the old velvet knights oh man some of those shows out mm-hmm. there marching into the chuck t's with like the neon hats just the shark but absolutely the like judge. ripping through like drum stuff uh mid 90s uh 96 phantom regiment did defiant heart which was a great show yeah, uh tim, tied 98 tim fairbanks 96 yeah tim was tim fairbanks was the center snare and then blue devils tied them that year with the uh, the club blue gangster chronicle show which is okay sick uh I got, 97 I ask, hold on i gotta ask before you get too far past it what year did velvet knights do the show it was like a lot of their shows were kind of like happy-go-lucky i guess sat satirical maybe a little bit what year did the shark eat the judge i don't remember but i think it was 93 where they had like a blow-up dinosaur t-rex and at one point there was like a wicked witch of the west riding a bicycle across the field or something it was like probably that, yeah, that show sounds right yeah, it was probably that right. show <laughs> but yeah uh 97 scouts did the pirates of lake mendota show uh, which is really fun 99 was apparently just a great year for drum corps because I wrote down a bunch of different groups. Uh, Glassman 99 did the Empire of Gold show. Mm-hmm. 99 Colts actually did the first show that I ever heard the DSRA in, which crowned it in 15 in the uh-huh. Inferno show. Uh, then 99 SCV placed first with the inventions of a new for a new millennium, and that show was just sick. And then all those cadets shows were great. Those BD shows were great. 99 is a sick year for drum corps, in my opinion. Um, it was 2000s busting into the Cavaliers, Niagara Falls. Uh, now we're BD, talking. <laughs> BD did Methods of Madness that year, maybe, or maybe it was 02. Um, and then K 
cadets did the millennium show like dan was just talking about i know we had actually done uh brian stalker we did an interview with him on one of our podcasts he was in that show um i believe that was oh yeah 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 2000 dude 2001 started my love for bd with the away day blue show and then just the dominance of the cadets drumline from the 2000s just like was in peak form i mean those those cadets drumlines are the reason i got into drum corps like those those early 2000s cadets like that's what i grew up watching like striving and free, like obsessing over wanting to do and it's just it's those... i think uh, i think those drumlines were the were the most like quintessential drum corps drumlines and then if you look at those bd drumlines they're the ones who start to hybridize with indoor yeah you know you look at rcc 2003 four and five you look at devs and they start to have that crossover so like devs probably weren't the cleanest drum lines back then but they were doing like the tricky stuff they were doing the split stuff they were doing some of those like drumming tricks that honestly were like inventions i think of that time maybe i'm only going back so far that i know but that felt like a turning point maybe maybe a little bit later into the 2000s but you know the movement and the visual side of things like the blue devils were very much onto that in a way that cadets really didn't care about at all. But the cadets were like super clean, super uniform. And then you have like Cavaliers who like, you know, they won in 2000. They, I think they won drums. They tied overall with cadets. And then the Cavaliers, like they don't win drums again until 2011. But those drum lines, like if you think about one, two, three, four, five, six, those drum lines like are super awesome. Like feels like an era where like, every drum line had more of a like different identity. Maybe like, maybe that's just my perception in a nostalgic way, but like Cavaliers drum lines with Brett Coon, like were super fresh, like just the way they played with like all wrists, like their wrists were like below the rim. And it was just, like, <laughs> I don't even know how so, they did it. I don't that. know how they did it. I watch videos no and have no clue how they drum Dude, they had that. that I think yeah. it was in Niagara where they have this like, and like, I'm like, I don't yeah, it was. How are they even playing these notes right now? <laughs> You, th- so, you should get Mike McIntosh on here. He will definitely be able to explain that to you. We would do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> I would do that, that up, Dan. Hook it up for us. <laughs> Shout out. Um, <laughs> Call so, you a freakazoid on your drum tape and indoor. Dan, okay, you, that you freakazoid. Should, yeah, okay. So for context, what was that, 2011? 11, yeah. Uh, is it 11? Fi- yeah. I think it was finals, by the way. <laughs> it was It was prelims. There were only two <laughs> nights prelims. then, and it was prelims, yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> Mike oh, Mac. God. The so, 09 Rhythm X Mike Mac tape is, is fire. We could talk about that for good. probably an so, hour. We'll He's like, I'm going to pass out. We'll get to that in a minute. But first I have All to right. ask, so do you think the cabbies in 2000 were better from a percussion standpoint than the cadets? Do I? Yeah. Um, Dude, that's hard. I like them. I like them better. I, I've never I, – I could honestly tell you I've never watched a single – front ensemble video from either of those groups from that year so i haven't either so it's a very honest assessment if i had to guess i would bet the cavaliers front ensemble was better probably you know if the drum lines were perfectly the same which i feel like happens a lot we're like oh these drum lines are like equally good um or like equally tick it's like usually the front ensemble that we just have completely ignored so yeah and so i would bet like based on the culture of the cavaliers like their front ensemble probably was superior that year if something had to make the decision and if you watch the cavaliers like they're playing some rhythmic content that is just insane like it's just really out of the box stuff which felt i don't know a little bit more progressive than you know the cadets are maybe at the, the peak of something and the cavaliers are sort of a little bit more fresh in that way so i don't know it's like almost like a choice you like deciding between two two very different styles but the cadets i mean the cadets 2000 drum line is like 
super badass. I mean, it's still one of those like iconic, you, um, iconic lines. Yeah. Many people would have that on their like top ten drum lines, I would guess. Yeah, I would think so. So let's shift to nope, uh, no, not no. done. I'm not oh, done. Oh, well, I was. Just I got s- like okay. I got like right. four more shows. All okay, right, we'll continue, 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 continue. Mike, we're not skipping drum corps. Yeah, I'm not trying to. I skipped out too. Apparently, there were just no shows that I really remembered Framework, from that year. Dude. Uh, no. Framework. All right. <laughs> 03, uh, BD did the uh, Phenomena Cool show, and then Phantom Regiment did the Harmonic Journey show, which love both of those. 05, 06, both the shows that came to mind those years uh, were Blue Coats Caravan and Connects show. Just super like backbeat heavy, like fun to listen to. Uh, very, I guess, like. What, what's that scale harmonic minor type stuff or whatever uh my wife's probably in the room like god you're an idiot um <laughs> as far as music theory goes but then also 2006 the phantom regiment foul show which is one of my favorite phantom regiment drum lines of all time um and then power through here 07 was the kind of where i stopped even though it wasn't the cleanest I did love that bd winged victory show it was just like so dark and ominous it was like it was this real, I, I do like that show a lot some other drum lines I'll throw out real quick from DCI, just maybe not the shows, but Blue Nights from like the mid to late 90s when Mike Stevens was there. Phenomenal. Um, Cavaliers 2000, I wrote. 2011, I wrote. Uh, SCV 99, 03, 04, Glassman 02 when Colin was there. Dude, there's just, I hope people are like pausing this and making a list of drum lines that you've never watched and you need to scour YouTube and just hunt these down. I've written down two shows I'm going to go watch. As soon as we're done recording this, ninety-three cadets. I'll send you the oh five. I'll send you this whole list. Okay, <laughs> so. that works. Dude, Fantini, um, you march blue coats. You've never seen Caravan. Nope. Such a such a great show. Yeah, I, I, to- I told you. I now don't, I don't go back and watch. I don't. I'm not a historian. I never I never was. Jay Bricks Definitely. was in there. I think maybe he was. Or Josh, Jared, Josh, Eric and uh, Eric Schreiber. Mm-hmm. Brian Hanley is in two thousand five blue coats. Yeah. There's a bunch of really, you know, yeah. OG dudes in there. Yep. So let's talk about what's your favorite like modern drum corps show from the last decade. Oof. Evan, you modern drum corps, you go for I can start. Yeah. I know what mine is. More recent? All right, go ahead. Mine's Angels and Demons. That show just like did it for me. Was that 2011? Yeah, 11 Cadets. Like I took that summer off and I watched it a few times live throughout the summer. I love that show. It's so well done, and they executed really well. So they were clean. Evan, what about you? Before uh, some of some of my more favorite shows that like stuck out to me were like the 2015 BD Ink show. Um, really enjoyed that. A lot of the Crown shows, Inferno and Relentless. I would say uh, the past three years, not as much as, as that hurts me to say, uh, but definitely Inferno and Relentless. Really love those. Um, trying to think here who else has been up tilt. there i think tilt and tilt. downside up are Down. definitely on the list tilt, tilt is, is up probably there my for second sure. favorite i'm gonna come um, in with the with a dark horse i i think just maybe because i'm all about what's next but i think ghost light i think ghost light is one of the most like brilliantly staged and complex shows like ever it's so there's so much depth in the orchestration on every level was like just the visual, yeah, just the visual yeah. depth and the. Did you just say that BD? Did you not watch DCI this summer? 
I did. That's why I was <laughs> Sorry, pretty sure it was it was Ghost of BD. I, yeah, I, I should have said I should have said that. I should have said that because we were on a podcast. But and that's I also think, part know, of Evan why I said it because I wanted to make sure yeah. the audience knew. Thank you, thank you for being thorough. Um, <laughs> but I think it's unpopular to say that because the Blue Coats are the front runner for the majority of the season. But I think the Blue Devils just they're maybe because maybe I mean I am slightly I guess visually more oriented, but I think they are playing a game no one else is playing. So it's like all right, this is. This is a different – it's like a – it's formally complex and it's formally deep in a way I think, um, you know, Blue Coats are very close and Vanguard's very close, like those top groups. In terms of their staging and their their uh, integration, it's just like you don't – Blue Devils are like a constant magic trick. You don't know how they're even arriving at the moments. Like the vertical moments come from nowhere. You're like, how did this even happen? And it's yeah. clever. Like there's so much just like depth to like the the, the concept with the tap shoes and everything. The Wild. staging, like the staging done in their most in the last probably couple of years, has just been so intelligent. Like the way you put it about it's just smart. You don't see things coming. It just kind of all all of a sudden just comes together and smacks you in the face. And it's just very very effective. It's very very well done. Scott Chandler, dude, he's the best. He's one of the best out there. We have a couple that are just too so, you know, they have advanced minds. With too what, good for their own what good. This is. It's not for their own good because, you know, he wins every year. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, think it's, I think it's deserved. I don't think it might, it might be an unpopular opinion. And I just think, you know, looking at what they did, it was just a tremendously seamless vehicle. You know, it was a fully produced idea without any holes in it so you know i think i think i I give credence to that maybe down the road people will look at ghost light and be like yeah that was a really good show but i'm just biased because i live in this world Mm -hmm. the now world (laughs) all right i like it let's talk about some wgi throughout the years so i'm assuming sick i started no (laughs) six uh 2006 mcm they did that freak show freak show x ludaria um i remember rcc did like a geometric show that was just insanely difficult i remember trying to learn the snare beats that somebody had transcribed and put on like snare science and i was like this is too hard i can't play it the missy elliott stuff yes with the gloves and then they did yeah. the the snare feature i was like this is insanely hard yeah oh um, <laughs> seven of course anybody else just jump in oh seven uh stuck out to rcc me. Uh, rcc uh, and also wrote the E equals MCM show. I, felt I think like, Mike Jackson's baby is in the RCC show. Is it, it is. Mike Jackson's kid? In, it is. It's a, I think it's a he, My first things Mike. or something. Yeah, my first <laughs> yeah, time it was like or my, something. That stuff is hilarious. That show's so good. I think <laughs> they won too, but they did like the jump rope and it was like super playful and it was about. They did like the yeah. snare splits playing like, uh, like rock, paper, scissors and stuff. That's right. Yep. Super cool show. Uh, 2008. No question. Gone gone yep. my favorite x show of all time that might be um, my favorite indoor show of all time bold it's up bold. there it's up there but uh we can all, gonna... can we make can we decide at the end of this what our favorite shows are oh yeah i got sure. mine written down so like favorite yeah. ever yeah uh so 2008 gone i i think that that was just what did rcc do in 08 what did what did uh was rcc the the paris show uh, I think when that was, was when 2009. Was Totem? Totem was 09. Totem is 09. Or no, 09. Yeah, I put Totem 08. on my... And then yeah, what that... did Mystique do in 08, too? Because I remember that. Superheroes? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was clean, a superhero dude. show. Yeah. So clean. The Justin Lewis yeah. show. 
Yeah, but Justin and Drew and like they were stacked. And they were clean. Yeah. Uh, and then 09, of course. I touch. put I put touch and totem. Also, I really like that pulse show, that breath show. Yep. I have Dude. judged that about four times, by the way. <laughs> Various groups doing that show. <laughs> the breath show. I had, they had that in Pennsylvania so many times. <laughs> they hey, had man, it's a good show. Oh, yeah. It's a good show. Yeah, no, I've, I've judged it a bunch of times for sure. And also MCM 2009, they did the death show, but they, again, like unbelievably oh, yeah. clean drumline. Super clean. Of course, the pit. I'm, I'm a drumline guy. I'm sorry, MCM. Your pit was also super good but just an outstandingly clean year that honestly oh nine there was three winning shows i think everyone agrees with that it was a very total total in, uh, mcm yeah, yeah dude that totem show was year. so aggressive and probably one of the best quad lines in wgi history uh, it's definitely up there um yeah, i kind of gl- all blue doubles guys yeah i kind of glossed through 10, 11, and 12 a little bit just because I was marching. Uh, 10, though, if I was going to pick, I mean, we did the Inspired show. I love that show, even though we didn't play the cleanest on finals night. Um, it is what it is. But also, who was the 2010? Um, it wasn't the Pulse show. Mystique, dude. I love Mystique, 2010. Fantastique. I love it. I love that year. I, I marched that year for sure. I actually... Because so when Evan and I did that project of like timing how long snare drums were playing in shows and stuff a few like a year ago or whenever it was on the for the podcast, I watched like the progression of shows throughout like a 15 year period of design. And Fantastique was like, it, out of all the boring shows I had to watch, that show stuck out and was like one of the coolest. I watched it like three times just because I enjoyed it. It was so cool. So good. Uh, 2011, MCM did the Mantra show. Incredibly clean. Yes. Uh, March I actually Barefoot. like RCC 11. I like, I like the white Was that show, the, the, the planes. The, planes? the aeroplane. Yeah. Super clean and crispy, crisp, oh, sorry, crispy, rather, and just <laughs> visually, yes, it's very, it was crispy. It was crispy. It was, it was visually very, uh, it stood out. It was minimal. Those red planes amongst the white palette. It was like, mm-hmm. it's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 2012, RCC, The Gift, which that is was the probably PTSD show, right? It's probably my favorite WGI show of all time. Um, you think so? It's up there. Yeah, it's the PTSD I th- I show, so. right? Yes. Yeah. It's called The Gift. Yeah, yeah, but it's about war. Yep. Dude, that whole section where they're just doing like where they do like the like audio visual muffled slow-mo. sound, the slow mo, and dude, it's that's killer. <laughs> Clever. Uh, and then 13, I put down X, the man in the arena show, and then Iconic. RCC, the, the state of the arts show, which is also really Also good. really awesome. Um, I didn't put anything number 14. Who won at 14? I don't even remember. Pulse uh, did uh, That Which Confines Us and oh, the, did Razor's Edge. Razor's Edge, good show. Uh, good drum line. I think they won hands that year. Shout out Frankie. Uh, yeah, X won hands two years in a row, I think, actually, for the first time in 13, and then the second time in 14, and then the next year they had 11 snares. So, <laughs> so we all know what happened there. Still got second. Um, <laughs> but RCC in 15, the Guardians of the Breath, which is sick, a sick show, <laughs> held the record for WGI for the highest score. I think it should still personally hold the record, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I also put the cadets winner deconstructed show. I think that show is great. 
Awesome. Just, Thank you. So I think Appreciate that's that. just oh, a well about that thought out show. That was really cool. Well, that's because you suck. No, it was just a really cool show. I loved that show <laughs> that year. We got fifth in hand, sixth overall, by the way. Boom. That's solid. Yeah. That's what's up. Independent world. First of two years existing in independent <laughs> world. Uh, got sixth place. Uh, the only other show I put on here was uh, the Broken City Spine show, and I wrote after it, but that's it for them. <laughs> so, well, I would say, you know, if I had to pick, like, uh, it's hard to say, like, what I think is fundamentally, like, the best show, like, groundbreaking, made the most change. Like, I, I think I think Rhythm X 08 is a pivotal year, but mm-hmm. I think, like, from then on, like, I think Spine is probably one of my favorite years, just musically and, like, the the way they constructed their set was very fresh and minimal and like holistic. And, you know, I, I just, you know, in that moment it was super new and we were all just like, we don't even know. They, they probably would have won that year if, if, you know, we could evaluate fully objectively cause it was so fresh. Um, yep. and the end of that show was so perfect. Did they cut the, with the big scissors that were just the like, mic cords. Yeah, it's just super smart and clever and just artistic. But, you know, I think 08 and 09 were the next from a concept standpoint. They they brought the concept like that's what inspired me about those two years is like they made the concept throughout everything they did. Um, it was an idea like that was what Deconstructed was trying to do was just like we're going to do this to everything. So uh, for, for touch, it was like musical touch, visual touch. You know, they were on a bent uh, grid when they marched. Their, their uniform was all these different fabrics. Like there's just all this like um the Easter nuance of the concept yeah like that is like the the role they did um on the spike and like at the edge with the little sticks and just all that stuff you know they played on the drum with their hands like you just saw the concept everywhere i think that was really big and cool for like a really long time and i still like that idea of design where it's like how can we make this be everywhere and then there's like we've gone in all these different directions but you know i think some things mcm have done have been groundbreaking but you know uh, and you, I mean, RCC every year consistently, you know, 18 RCC stands out to me, um, which is the archive show, oh, when yeah. you know, with the trumpet that was great. and like, that was a huge year for that them. That was the seven and, snares year, right? Yeah. They missed, I think they were missing a snare drum or seven snares and then four bases and four bases. Like they had some, yeah. and they were, and no one cared. Of course, no uh, it was so it was good. Great. And just, yeah, just the, if you know, RCC, then you, that show is like, so awesome because it's just like a recall of everything they've done and honestly 14 rhythm x is one of my favorite shows 2014 which is again maybe people won't agree but i think the way they used dimension in the floor with that crag that they were jumping over and the just the way they constructed the perspective of that show super fresh super cool and they were so clean and just really good yep broken city was close to winning in uh 2017 with that spine show Fifth in a visual performance caption, though. Well, they not anymore. What they do now is very welcomed, you know. So, well, they were first. Then, it was they like, were first from this? one yeah. judge and fifth from the other. <laughs> right. Well, that should you know that that should and can happen, but the spreads know, were not are, that far though. So, right. Yeah, and it was probably four tenths or three tenths or whatever. If they were that, right, so six tenths out of first. So, that's yeah. pretty small from first to fifth. For that yeah. caption, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. that show was just super great, and just musically, the piano, the minimalism, just yeah, that was the beginning sure. of what they what they do now, and you know, just super cool. I need to go watch that. It's making me want to go watch Spine again. 
another show that you're talking about just like takes a concept and maxes it out that we were just previously talked about like tilt like we're going to tilt the field we're going to tilt the instruments we're going to tilt our bodies like they just took one idea and nuanced it throughout the entire production as many ways as they could we're going to tilt right. this pitch like whatever yeah very indoor approach to that and you know probably wasn't totally received by the drum corps community and then like a year later or two years later it is you know that same idea where you're gonna kind of just play with a, a nucleus of an idea not so much a story but an unfolding of an idea you know they have downside up or they have um the uh kinetic noise show which is kinetic noise yeah another really cool drum corps show for like what they actually did with the speakers and what it probably took for them to achieve that like we don't really actually know so a lot of good shows, actually, now that we talk about it. There's been insane amounts of innovation in the last five years. Only five years. It's moving fast. Yep. It is moving so, fast. So before we wrap this up, what's your favorite indoor show, boys? Let's pick. RCC 2012. That's what I'm going with. Okay. Dan? I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Spine today. I'll go with Spine. I think it's 17, Broken City, right? Yes. 17, yeah. Yeah, yep. I'm, I'm going to go with Spine. I'm going to stick with my uh, initial 08X, Gone. A classic. Um, yep. Classic. Um, there's, there's so many good ones. Like, I'm sitting here, the whole, I, I didn't talk a lot for the last five minutes. I'm just sitting here thinking, listening to you guys, and like, what is my favorite show? You know, like. It's tough, man. There's so many good ones over the past 15 years. Just so many iconic, artistic, well-done shows groups have done it's so hard to pick so well we, we even talk about guard we even talk about independent world color guard we might need to do a little more research but there's some <laughs> have to do a really lot more good research <laughs> yeah there's some really good stuff in there though you that know, is if a you topic. actually sit down and watch yeah now that we're in quarantine we can all yeah, right uh educate ourselves on independent world guard and guard period scholastic world guard dude scholastic um, world guard. i was watching that like caramel stuff last year i was like this is insane <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, the stuff that, you know, Dudu and the team from Boston does on every team that he's on, like Super Innovative or Michael Gaines, any any indoor guard he's involved with, or, uh, you know, Bluecoats indoor guard, like, we're, we're just catching up, you know, like, we don't know enough about guard to speak intelligently on it, so we all apologize, we gotta get, like, a guard-centric person on here, that's the next goal, but, um, you know, there is some guards that we're all just trying to emulate, um, and the, the artistry level and the nuance, um, you know, Paramount, for example, um, the elusive horizons one for me, that was last year, just, just a different method, a different way of doing this activity. And that's, what's cool, especially at the world level is every group actually has a different like format, a different method. It's almost, it's hard to judge. Cause like, this is so different than the next thing and the way you do this and all of our skills are like pretty similar, but like then the way we implement the skills into an idea is like just vastly original group to group. So I, I'm feeling some appreciation in this moment actually, which is rare. Cause usually, you know, you're teaching and it's like, Oh, how do I get points and all that <laughs> stuff? But it's cool. It's nice to actually appreciate uh, what people are doing. Cause there's a lot of really smart people in our activity. Yeah, Dude, I want to sure. say uh, like last year too, stuck up some of the guard shows. I remember I watched like CGT, it was either CGT uh, Dallas or Denton or one of those or something. They did this like all orange show, and I was like, "This is so sweet." And then there was a high school from Florida. It was like something Brower, like west or south or east or north. Yeah. Or, I don't one of those directions. But uh, they did this like <laughs> they did this like hip hop junkyard show, and I was like, "This is so much fun to watch." 
uh, but they West designed. Broward 18. West Broward. All right, there it is. Yeah. Um, when we did the Friends show, people were like, oh, you guys are seeing Broward with the dumpster and the basketball hoop. <laughs> we're like, no, but that's great. I'm, I'm about it. About the grind. Yeah, for sure. That's a great show. Uh, but, dude, and then, like, the Pride show with the doors and, like, the innovation and how they used them, like, last year. I'm like, this stuff is crazy. Yeah. Pride every year. Every other year. A lot of creativity <laughs> going on. A lot of creativity. But I think that is a discussion for another day with a little bit more knowledgeable person on here, possibly. So, <laughs> Oh, I could easily make myself look like a fool if we have somebody on here. So, But I'm let's all about avoid it. that for today. So, Dan, thanks for coming and hanging out. Everybody else, uh, stay safe through all this. Be smart. Um, social distance, you know. Pay attention to what's going on in the world. Um, hopefully... The, the marching activity, like the rest of everything else, we'll get back on track uh, sooner rather than later. And uh, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook for all updates on new episodes and updates for the podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe on YouTube, um, whatever platform you prefer to listen on. Uh, we have a Patreon, again, to reiterate, patreon.com slash podcast. If you want to hit us up with any kind of financial support, not required again, but always appreciated. And we will be back in a couple weeks with the next episode. Peace. See ya.